We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome into another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. You can find us uh, on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod and find our episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you prefer to listen to our episodes. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by co-host Brian tonight as we recap uh, the game that we just watched between the Hornets and the Magic. The Hornets dropped I think this is their seventh straight game uh, heading into this three-game or three-day break uh, as they head off to France. Lost 106 to 83. You want to follow myself on Twitter? You can find me at Richie Randall, and then Brian is at bguys underscore bird. Brian, I know that uh, you still have a lot of uh, work with ACC hoops, but it, it kind of felt good to take a, a little mini break. Uh, away from Hornets basketball, and I was a little bit more energized watching the game tonight. But that that soon turned, probably about <laughs> the second and third quarter. But but how you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, I'm doing well. This time of the year, as you noted, is crazy, but for all the the most fun reasons. A lot of work to do. But yeah, nice to take in a, a very early evening Hornets game on on MLK Day here. Entering the game, the Magic were 20 and 23 seventh place in the east and then hornets on the other hand dropped to like 11th we were in ninth place in the east for a little bit and uh, obviously we're playing against our old coach and, and coach clifford a defensive-minded team uh, you know exactly what you're going to get when you go up against teams uh, that are coached by clifford they don't allow a ton of offensive rebounds uh, on the offensive side of the ball they're probably a little bit limited but on the defensive side of the ball they force turnovers they get after you uh, and that's exactly what we saw tonight even without jonathan isaac uh, the hornets Seems like they couldn't get anything going. The first quarter was really the only thing that was uh, a bright spot. I think they were up eight in the first quarter. And then after the second quarter, they were down six at half. So that's a 14-point swing there, if my math is correct. Uh, a lot of the things that have plagued this Hornets team also plagued them again tonight uh, with some of the turnovers in the, in the second half, or second quarter and second half. I, I want to first start off by talking about P.J. Washington. I think as a rookie and a young player that's uh, getting a lot of playing time with his team. To be honest, he was one of the few players that kept this game 
close uh, with his pick-and-pop action uh, with Devontae Graham in the second quarter. I think he hit four threes in that quarter. And he, he does a good job with the pick-and-pop game, Brian, in terms of fading and, and getting as far away as he can from that defender so that that defender doesn't have time to come back and recover for three. So any thoughts on, on P.J. Washington in this game and just how mature he is for a rookie? Yeah, I mean, he was he was really good. He looked refreshed. And uh, when he's hitting those above the break in corner threes, that opens up so much for him. And, and he likes to attack closeouts. I thought he got a couple tough whistles, uh, picked up a, an early third foul. I thought on what was a bit of a tough call, which maybe limited some of his aggression, at least defensively on Aaron Gordon, who was able to, to bully him for a couple couple layups and finishes around the basket in the in the first and second half. But, yeah, P.J.'s offensive game today was really good. I thought he should do a lot of different stuff. I think there's more room to use him as more of like a fake DHO guy that you run offense through. Well, I kind of like think that's something I'd like to see them explore. They've, they've, they've dabbled with that, and he even had like a vague hint of one of those little fake DHO drives uh, where he passed out to the corner in the second half. But his above-the-break three-point shooting – he came in tonight a little over 35, close to 36%. He had, a, he had several of them, um, including a Devontae Graham pass, uh, that which he knocked down for pick-and-pop three. Those guys have worked well in the pick-and-roll this season. Pardon me, the pick-and-roll and the pick-and-pop. As I mean, he and Terry Rozier have actually worked pretty well together in the the pick-and-pop as well. I actually have a little, little, little folder on my desk saved up with some P.J. Washington uh, pick and pop clips that at some point I'll, I'll mix together into a into a video and tonight provided at least one more of those. But yeah, P.J. had a really nice game. I thought you know, Hornets only 36% of their field goal attempts in this game were at the rim. Um, that's not a horrendous number, but not not great. And um, I mean, it felt like all of that was predicated either on on P.J. diving to the hoop or Malik Monk yeah. going downhill off the bounce. Yeah, both those players played very well tonight. Uh, I don't know if I can point to really another player, maybe other than Cody Martin, uh, that came in and brought some energy Cody, for this yeah. team. But I guess to mention P.J. Washington before we kind of switch to Malik Monk, we talk about how much variety he has in his game in terms of playing out of the post, passing out of the post. Uh, he can drive the ball a little bit. He can play the pick-and-pop game. He actually had a, a nice play in the first quarter, or might might have been the second quarter, I can't remember. P.J. Washington got a rebound, was leading the break, dribbling the ball, and finds Devontae, Green, yep. Devontae Graham for a catch-and-shoot three. So uh, just little stuff like that. You wouldn't expect that of a big man that's dribbling the ball up the court and finding the open guard for three. Malik Monk, uh, we mentioned him. I, oh, oh, one more note on one more note on P.J. I... I I think maybe the matchup would have been tough because Orlando plays a lot of a lot of twin bigs, you know, Ken Birch starting at the four, which is kind of hilarious, but is so like Steve Clifford of them as well, too. But I thought with how much trouble Charlotte was having um, getting downhill again outside of Monk or, or, or Washington rolls to the hoop and plenty of guys really struggled shooting the ball. Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, total power outages, no shows today. Same with Dwayne Bacon. Um, I kind of would have liked to have seen them maybe try to post PJ a little bit this game. Uh, there was some high-low activity early in the game, yeah. and they sort of went away from that. And, and maybe PJ's not quite the guy. You just throw it to him on the block and say, hey, go to work and get us a good shot. Either you know you draw a foul or you, you kick out for three or whatever. But I, I sort of thought that's something that they could have tried exploring a little bit just because Orlando's defense, which is – 
number six in entering tonight in defensive efficiency, uh, defensive rating. Uh, they swallowed up everything Charlotte was trying to do, getting into gaps. Yeah, I mean, I think always try something different, especially if P.J. Washington has it going for the night. And he was 7 of 12 from the field, finished with 19 points, uh, which was one off uh, Malik Monk, who actually had a team high with 20. Malik Monk, I, I feel like he needs to get more playing time. It seems like his minutes are sporadic. He played a little bit more in that second half. Uh, I think James Arrego was just trying any kind of lineup, any kind of player throughout this game. But Malik Monk uh, still does a great job of attacking the rim. He didn't he didn't score one point from behind the arc, and all of his all of his points are either coming from the free throw line or basically at the rim. He had a nice nice up and under uh, in the first half. It felt like he was hanging in the air for what seems like forever and uh, had some nice passes as well. This guy continues to show flashes of something, and, and we saw it again tonight against the Orlando Magic. I would like to see him play a little bit more frequently, and tonight was a good night to do that, especially with Terry Rozier going 0 for 6 from the field, uh, Devontae Graham going 5 for 17. So we needed something out of that guard position, and he brought it, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, obviously, it didn't have an effect on the win-loss here, but uh, Malik Monk continues to show signs and, and flashes of this ability to get to the rim, passing the ball, being a playmaker. But again, he, his name also keeps coming up in, in trade rumors. Like he, like he's a possible trade candidate for this Hornets team, and I just don't know how I feel about that. Uh, at this point, I mean, I think Monk is really a guy to to covet as a prospect. That's just my opinion, and, and I realize that in a variety of trade scenarios, Monk can work as a as a piece to grease the wheel. But I just really think even though you maybe don't see it every single night. And the three-pointer has really struggled this year. He missed. He was 0-3 tonight from three. He was 8-10 of inside the paint. He had seven finishes at the rim. He was awesome tonight getting downhill. But even though the three has not fallen this year, I just – I sort of think you've seen a light come on with him. He, he, he still is yet to turn 22. Um, he, this guy is a unselfish player when it comes to passing. He had a nice hit-ahead pass to Biz tonight when – Bomba fell down and, and Charlotte had a four on five and Biz just wasn't quite right. Because he fumbles it out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. I think it looked like maybe he thought Malik was going to pull up for three, but yeah. it's just the right idea from Malik. I thought defensively, the only really good stretch Charlotte had in this game came obviously when Cody Martin was injected into the rotation in the second half and all of a sudden it was Monk and Martin flying around off ball, uh, you know, covering up Fournier who had a field day against Rozier earlier in the game and, and, and Terrence Ross who got hot in the first half as well too. But just at some point Monk's three, like he's not a 25% three-point shooter. At some point this is going to, if it may not be this season and maybe he, he was dealing with a, a hand or a finger issue earlier in the season too, but so perhaps there's still some lingering effects of, effects of that, but just seeing how where he is on his assignments defensively, most times being in the right place at the right time, his passing, his feel for the game is is pretty good. Um, only time he really gets himself into trouble is really when he's trying to force a pass. He, he had one turnover. He was trying to hit Zeller yep, on a, on a on a roll, and in Bamba's 18 foot long wingspan got in the <laughs> way and disrupted that. But I just think with his ability to get to the rim, you saw some of those those artful finishes against. I mean, I know Orlando's missing Jonathan Isaac, who I mean, his injury was literally the last thing that, that Orlando needed this season. But they still got a lot of big, 
long guys, shot blockers, strong defenders in the paint. And, and Monk had some really clever, artful finishes with both hands. And I just think his ability to get downhill in the half court in transition, the left to right crossover, the right to left crossover, the jab step, his change of direction. I, I just think he's a special offensive talent. And again, I think I said this a couple weeks ago on the pod, but just like the light coming on for him defensively, it, it just raises the floor with him as a prospect. I just don't think he's a defensive liability. And at some point, the shot's going to come online, and you mix that in with his playmaking, his ability, his just tenacity to get downhill. And I think you have a really good player. And just because it hasn't all coalesced together at the same time doesn't mean that it's going to. And, uh, I, again, I, I think he's played good basketball this season. And tonight was encouraging, especially after – you know, he didn't play against Denver. It's been a long layoff, and that wing rotation has been the, – the minutes have been sort of awkwardly dispersed throughout the season. Yeah. Obviously, injuries have, have played a big role in there. But, you know, Dwayne Bacon's out of the rotation, then he's back. Nick Batum in the rotation, out of the rotation, back in the rotation. Uh, Cody Martin, his minutes are sporadic. And, and so I thought for Monk, this was a nice – uh, a good effort from him against his former coach, uh, and, uh, and as you know, Charlotte's about to take off uh, for an international game too. Yeah, let's talk about that wing rotation because we saw a lot of wings play tonight, mostly out of necessity. And Borrego trying to get some kind of energy within this team and, and mount a comeback clearly did not happen. But we have Malik Monk, we have Dwayne Bacon, we have Nick Batum, uh, we have Cody Martin. Uh, those are just the people that are coming off the bench, you know, trying to vie for those wing position minutes and it seems like when you're playing these guys each like 15 minutes a game i'm not sure it does a whole lot of good and, and cody martin tonight regardless if he scores a single point in a game he's going to bring something on a night in night out basis did not or no he actually had two points he had two points i'll, I'll say that but his offensive rebounding his defense on and off ball his energy swung the game in, in charlotte's direction in the second half and that's, th that's something that Borrego tried. He put out Biz for the first time. He put out Cody Martin for the first time in the second half. So we were kind of talking about this uh, prior to recording. It's not like you can play all of these players 15 minutes a game because you can't get into the flow of the offense, of the defense, and just get the flow of the game. you got to start cutting people out of the rotation. And, you know, in our conversation, it makes more sense to maybe cut Batum out who, while is with this team for the next couple of years because of his contract, he doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of, you know, the, the youth and, and the player development. Mm -hmm. uh, Dwayne Bacon also only played a handful of minutes tonight. He didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, but Cody Martin, night in, night out, he brings that energy. And regardless, if he can't make a three or whatever it may be, uh, you know that when he comes on the court, he's going to bring you something that's a positive and a plus um, on a consistent basis. The block he had on Terrence Ross tonight, Cody Martin, was phenomenal. Um, I mean, how how often do you see guys do that? Where Terrence Ross comes off a pin down from Bamba, not not like you know Mo necessarily like you know laid the wood on the screen. He's not exactly uh, uh, you know Rudy Gobert, or Cody Zeller when it comes to the art of screen setting, marching Gortat, but Cody Martin's able to veer around the jump around the screen from. Bamba and then the timing and his athleticism to close the gap to block the shot like Terrence Ross one of the one of the ultimate microwave scorers guy that you know 
makes his living running around, curling around screens and shooting jumpers from 25 feet for Cody Martin to block that shot cleanly. That was insane. I thought that was like the most impressive play of the game. And, and I thought uh, the PJ and Malik Monk had a handful of impressive plays too, but I, I just thought that was outstanding. And it goes to show you he's not, yes, his effort is extraordinary. He was credited with two offensive rebounds. You and I were sort of texting about this during the game. It, I think he had at least one more than that. It's, yeah, it's they, like five. They honestly, didn't credit you know, him at least, for one. It, at least with some you know deflections and just hit another one that was a loose ball that he almost got his mitts on. He couldn't quite squeeze in, in Orlando. Ended up going the other way with it too. But the, regardless, the effort to even get to that was incredible. But the the point that I want to make is that this guy is like he's a really skilled defender. Yes. The, the motor is incredible and he plays hard. That's great. Um, terrific. But he's got like serious game. I mean, his basketball instincts, his IQ, uh, his athleticism, his, his sense of timing, it's really, really good. And I just think they got to find, I know the offense is a huge issue. I get it. I know he's, there are, in terms of years of experience, there are just guys ahead of him with Bacon and Batum and, and Monk and and obviously with, with Rozier playing a lot at the wing this year, like that jumbled things up because he and Devontae have become the starting backcourt. But I'll keep beating this drum and we've been doing it since October, I feel like. You just got to find a way to get this guy more consistent minutes. He's the one plus defender this team has and in a game where Orlando's guards, I thought Markel Fultz had a couple nice plays and Fournier was good and Michael Carr Williams, I mean, he still can't make a dang layup in, in Spectrum <laughs> Center. But uh, but even he was aggressive going downhill, and I just think uh, uh, Cody is really the one stopper-level player you have. And, um, yeah, as, especially as this team continues to – it's one of those things where, you know, where the deadline's coming up in two weeks, all-star break not long after that. I mean, you're really going to see these rosters solidify, and we'll see if, what the Hornets do on either side of the – of the trade deadline, what they decide to do with the roster. But I just feel like, you know, once we come through on that, there's not going to be any more excuses to not play this guy um, reliably 20 minutes a night, you know, um, I I was going to last thing. Like I see that all these guys offer different things, bacon, monk, Batum, Martin, Rozier, like all the wings, they all offer something different. So, so I get that sometimes you're, you're playing the hot hand or you're looking for a different matchup or whatever, but um, yeah, it'd be, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. My humble opinion to, to see some sort of uh, solidified structure, assuming everyone's healthy, come to the wing rotation. And I think it does have to be Cody Martin a little bit more, especially I was going to say, especially with, the way that the season is going. I think there was a little bit of a false hope uh, to start this season in terms of the hot start that Devontae had and the hot start that the Hornets had. But now that the, the schedule is picking up a little bit, we're starting to see uh, it kind of wear on this team and we're starting to see their record go back to where maybe we expected it to be uh, as we predicted it to start this season. Uh, there's definitely going to be bumps in the road with, with a team that plays a lot of young players. But you know, if you only play Cody Martin sporadically, I don't think that development is going to grow as quickly as if you get him out there for 20 minutes a night. 
And I think that's what we need to start seeing uh, towards this second half of the season. Do you think there's anything, and I, I kind of threw this out on the Slack channel that we have uh, with the BuzzBeat uh, listeners, do you think there's anything to Batum getting minutes in this past couple of weeks leading up to this France game? I, I threw that out there almost like as a conspiracy theory, but to me, it seems a little coincidental. No, I mean, I, I could see, I, I understand there are, there are real, very real factors that can go into these things in terms of, yeah, man, the Hornets are playing an international game. They're playing in France. They have one French player on the roster. Like it would be good business for everyone for this guy to play. Now, I, I don't. I'm not going to like accuse James Rayo of of staggering his rotations to you know make things look you know make prop up Nick Batum as they're going into a game in France. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that's happening, but um, yeah, man, like of course he's going to play in this game when they go abroad. And I could see before that wanting to give him a little bit more run, didn't get a little more acclimated um, uh, back into the rotation. Uh, again, his season's been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him. So, but, but I do think part of it is like, it's, Batum's the sole, the the sort of um, wave of him in and out and back in the rotation and back out and back in. It, it that's congruent with everyone else on the wing too. You know what I mean? Like outside of Rozier, who's sort of had his minutes solidified early on. So uh, it could be purely coincidental, but like I, obviously he's going to play in this game in France. You know what I mean? Like that's that's going right. to happen. Right. But if you would ask me that two weeks ago when he wasn't in the rotation, I was starting to kind of second guess myself if if he would play Friday night uh, in France against the Bucks. But uh, with him inserted back into this rotation, it seems a little bit too coincidental for me. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, we play the Bucks on Friday in France. Bucks 39-6, the best team uh, in the NBA. They have the second-best offense, first-best defense. Uh, this is a team that just suffocates you on the defensive side of the ball. And then on the other end, you have to deal with Giannis, who is, to me, the toughest guard in the NBA, especially Ridiculous. considering that you got those shooters on the outside with Middleton and, and George Hill on the perimeter. Oh, and by the way, I as I've watched the Bucks this year, I realized that George Hill doesn't miss, but I did he's not realize shooting like, he's shooting like fifty-four percent. I'm like, this. I'm like, whoa! I checked that the like yesterday. I was like, I did not realize he was shooting yeah. that well from deep. And it's ridiculous. And even Giannis, totally even Giannis is shooting thirty-three, which is not that great. But yeah. if, if Giannis is shooting thirty-three, that keeps you a little bit more honest as a defense. And with him being able to attack the rim, uh, man, that Bucks team is going to be hard to beat. Uh, the, the the one little red flag with him is Lopez is not hitting his threes yeah, this season. He's not. He's not. But you know, even on paper, this, you look at this team. It's not. It's not the greatest team. But you just got to give credit to to the coach uh, Bullenhosen. Yeah. Putting this team together, the defensive side of the ball with Wes Matthews, uh, Middleton. Badass, badass. Could be an all-star this year. Even Mm -hmm. George Hill, like I said. uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Like, all these players, they throw at you. And I'm just, I'm like looking forward to this game against the Bucs in France. Uh, But on the same token, it it could get out of hand quickly. This is also like, um, I mean, as PJ's obviously been phenomenal this rookie season. He's been a a top four or five rookie um, this, this season so far, hands down. Like, I don't think that's even up for debate, but like, this is the kind of matchup where it's like, you know, he plays Anthony Davis or Giannis, one of these just extraterrestrials. And it's just such a tough, I mean, it's just such a bad matchup for PJ, you know? Um, 
it'll be really hard for him defensively. He has the chance to get in foul trouble, uh, of course, playing these guys that draw a lot of contact. And those are the guys, these are the guys that can close down his, his airspace on threes. They can make his rim runs and his him, PJ trying to finish around the hoop. They make that a lot more difficult. His post-ups like that, just everything is going to become so tough for him in this one game against Giannis. And as you remember, the Hornets and Bucks played a while ago. And that was the game that got out of hand real, real quickly for Charlotte, as you would expect a game that was played uh, up in Milwaukee, I believe. I want to say it was yeah, back, you're, in, yeah, you're right. back, back in November. But uh, the Bucks, I mean, they're awesome. They've got all these amazing two-way players. DiVincenzo, good defender, good shooter. Wes Matthews, good defender, good shooter. George Hill, good defender, good shooter. Bledsoe, not such a good shooter, but good you know, he does he does his thing. And I mean, Giannis is the best player in the world right now. Like it's not really up. I mean, Harden, LeBron, Luca, like those dudes are right there too. You know, Anthony Davis is not far behind. But uh, Giannis is on like another uh, another level right now. And as you said about Middleton, he's been a total two way monster this season. Great shooting, great defense. Um, yeah, the only thing for them is like the only like flying the ointment has been Lopez's three point shooting has been has dropped off the cliff. How does that impact them in the playoffs? And the loss of Malcolm Brogdon, like that's ulti- like every it's clear that Milwaukee's built a machine for the regular season. You know, like. That as long as Giannis is healthy with the right shooters around him, like they're just going to destroy people. Um, that will be very interesting to see once they get into the, the second round of the playoffs because the first round is going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be them playing whoever the the eighth seed in the East is. That's going to be a joke. But you know, one four in the second round, yeah, all of a sudden that might be Indiana or Boston. It could be Philadelphia at this point. Hey, I, if I was Philadelphia, I would avoid the four or five seed. I, I would try yeah. to get try to get the six seed or, or try to push for the three seed, but no doubt, yeah. no doubt, but they don't, they don't have Joel Embiid right now. So it's like, it's, it's hard for those dudes to like to redline it right now too. And, and we'll see what they do at the deadline. But um, yeah, it, the, the, this Bucks team is, is scary good. And it, I do still sort of wonder what they would look like with Brogdon as well. But um, as of right now, like you said, what they're one and two in offense and defense Correct. in terms of efficiency. I mean, that's just that's total like net yeah net rating bucks plus twelve point twelve and a half points per one hundred possessions this season. Totally, I mean, it's number one in the NBA by a mile. The Lakers are number two at plus eight point one. Dallas plus six point eight. Number three. I mean, that's just incredible. the The Bucks lead the league in effective shooting in terms of their offense and their defense leads the NBA in uh, defensive effective shooting too, which is just nuts considering how many three-pointers they give up. They just totally close off the rim. So uh, it'll be – the Hornets have their hands full. I get the feeling Giannis is going to put on a show as he's back on his home continent playing in a game that will certainly have a lot of eyeballs on it Um, all around the globe. And, yeah, it feels like the uh, the Hornets are – they're getting thrown to the wolves here for a little bit. Yeah, and Giannis had a, a triple-double tonight with 28 points, 14 <laughs> rebounds, 10 assists. It was against the Bulls, uh, but again, that's a, the same kind of caliber team that they're going to be playing he, he's Friday He's ridiculous, night. man. He's so ridiculous. What's interesting, too, is like, you know, not that it really matters. It's not like we're going to shut Giannis down, but our two be- best players that we would use to defend him didn't even play tonight in KG and, and Marvin. Marvin, so, yeah. Marvin, Marvin's actually – Marvin's had some decent – last two seasons has had some decent – 
possessions. That's like the nicest way to put it. I mean, you ain't playing well against that guy for a, a whole game unless yeah. you're like Joel Embiid. Um, one other couple, just one other thing I'd like to mention from tonight too. Um, the Magic have an offensive rebound rate of 35% in this game. That's crazy for a Steve Clifford team. You know what I mean? A team that usually does not hit the uh, hit the offensive glass that much. Uh, Magic, just a 12.4% turnover rate in this game, which is very uh, Steve Clifford of, of a roster to have. And it's just kind of cool to see, like, you look at Orlando, their top five basically in defense, like just outside the top five entering tonight. Um, offensively top five in turnover rate, 13.2%. Uh, their, uh, defense is top five in defensive rebound rate and their top four in free throw rate. I mean, this is classic Clifford defense, clean up the defensive glass. Don't foul, you know, stick to your assignments and offensively don't, don't turn the ball over. Um, you wish, you wish they had Jonathan Isaac cause then they would make a really compelling like seven seed in the Eastern conference heading into the playoffs. All right, so the Hornets fall to 15-30, and 30, I believe. And uh, the next time the Hornets play, like we mentioned, will be Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, in France. Uh, again, they have several days off before that game and several days off after that game before they play the Knicks uh, on the 28th. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. Uh, as always, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. For Brian, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.